Welcome back to Sports Cuts with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. As I've mentioned several times on this program in recent weeks, the Minnesota Vikings are my pick to represent the NFC in Super Bowl 53. Last season, despite having a journeyman caretaker under center and losing their star rookie running back to an early season-ending injury, the Vikings rode their supremely talented championship-level defense and brilliant coaching all the way to the NFC Championship where their hearts were broken by the eventual Super Bowl champion Eagles. But this spring, General Manager Rick Spielman made the necessary moves to help ensure that the Vikings will take that next step. They drastically upgraded the quarterback position by signing Pro Bowler Kirk Cousins in free agency. No offense, Case Keenum, who did a great job with the Vikings and will do an effective job for the Broncos this year, but he got the picture. They also re-signed several key pieces of their talented young core to long-term deals and potentially made their defense even scarier in both free agency as well as the draft. Clearly, for the Vikings to win their first Lombardi Trophy in franchise history, it's now or never. And joining me tonight to give us a preview of the Vikings 2018 season is Miles Gorham. Miles is obviously a huge Vikings fan as well as a contributor to the Climbing the Pocket podcast, which is co-hosted by another friend of the pod, Jordan Reed. And Miles also played college football as a wide receiver for the Upper Iowa University. Go Peacocks, by the way. <laughs> it's a pleasure to welcome Miles to the program for the very first time. How are you doing, Miles? I'm doing really good, David. I appreciate it. The Upper Iowa Peacocks. I love it. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you as well, Miles. And as a matter of fact, uh, before I begin, I think I'd sound my own yaller horn here. Here come the Vikings. And uh, let's start off with uh, this Vikings offensive line, because if there is any weakness on this Vikings team, which is arguably the deepest roster in the National Football League, it is the offensive line, especially in terms of pass protection. However, as evidenced in training camp and last week in their first preseason game against the Broncos, this Vikings offensive line promises to be one of the top run-blocking units in the league this season. Even with Kirk Cousins now under center, do you still see the Vikings continuing to be a more run-heavy offense compared to most other teams? I do. I think it's just the identity of the team. I think Mike Zimmer is that old-school type of type of coach. He really likes to get, he really likes to use the the run game as like a way to control a clock, allow the team to you know, it'll really it'll really help the team limit turnovers and uh, kind of take the not take the game out of the quarterback's hands, but not force the quarterback to be the guy to have to make all the plays for the team. So if they, I know he's really big into establishing a run just because that's that, like I said, that's how he controls the clock and allows his defense to stay fresh and stay on the, on the sidelines a little bit longer. So um, I know it's a little bit more of a conservative style and that's Zim's old school mentality, but I definitely see this team uh, being more of a, a run, run heavy team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was talking on my podcast with uh, my good friend Hal Bent earlier this week about this exact topic. And what being a run-first offense uh, does for the Vikings as well is it will tire out that pass rush early and often in the game, and that will allow Kirk Cousins to, to sling the rock more often as the game goes on. Yeah, definitely. And I think allowing him to, you know, you want to get into good, uh, you know, third and manageable situations, second and manageable situations so that you're not putting yourselves in the hole, and I think they want to do that with the run game. I also do think the screen game is going to be really important for this team too. And to do to do some of that, it'll help subset some of the you know run game, you know, using the wide receiver screens and running back screens, and getting your the athletic offensive lineman out in space. I know that's something they really want to do, 
and using a utilizing a guy like Dalvin Cook's receiving ability to get some mismatches against linebackers or safeties. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the most intriguing position battles going on for the Vikings is that of the change of pace running back behind Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. And you mentioned those uh, running back screeds and Kirk Cousins loved throwing the ball to such a change of pace back in Chris Thompson during his time in Washington. And they ran a lot of those screeds last year to perfection. And both Mike Boone and Rock Thomas have showed the potential to be a similar weapon for Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense. Which of those two running backs wins that third job and why? Yeah, in my opinion, I think it's going to be Rock Thomas. I, I just think he brings a little bit more in terms of inside zone zone running ability, his vision, um, and his receiving ability. I don't think his receiving ability is quite to the same level as a guy like Mike Boone. Mike Boone tested extremely well athletically at the, uh, at the combine and um, in, his, in his workouts. Uh, so he, I know he's really, he's really athletic. He tested really similarly to a guy like Jarek McKinnon, who previously played in Minnesota, who's now in San Francisco. But um, I just think he doesn't have quite the vision or, you know, the, the ability to run inside the tackles the way Rock Thomas does. If you needed, uh, if you had a guy like Latavius Murray go down or Dalvin Cook, you wanted to be able to kind of keep the same uh, run style that you'd have. And I don't, th- I think you'd lose that significantly with a guy like Mike Boone. Um, that's where Rock Thomas comes in. I think Rock Thomas can do it all. He can do a little bit of everything. He's, uh, he's a former five-star recruit. I'm sure everybody knows the story now, by now, but he started out at Auburn. Uh, didn't really have as many opportunities there, so he ended up moving on to uh, Jacksonville State, I think is the, the college he went to. Go Gamecocks. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and he, he excelled there, and then he ended up uh, you know, coming out and going undrafted, but I think he's one of those guys that has that, um, that skill set that really matches well with what the Vikings want to do. And like I said, if any of the top two running backs were to go down, you wouldn't lose anything. Or you, the drop-off wouldn't be as significant with a guy like Rock Thomas. But another guy to keep an eye on, and he is a little hurt right now. He got hurt at the, the first preseason game against Denver. But Mac Brown's the guy that's been around a little bit. He played in Washington with Kirk Cousins. Um, so I know that they like him and his skill set. Uh, he looked pretty pretty solid in the, in the preseason game before he did get hurt. But um, he's another guy to keep an eye on just because if they did want to keep a little bit more of that veteran presence as, as that third running back, I could I could see them keeping him around too. Oh, that's a very good point. But Rock Thomas also showed he can be a formidable receiver in that preseason game last week. He caught two touchdowns, albeit one on a 75-yard screen where most of those yards came after the catch on a brilliantly designed um, blocking in space, but another on a wheel route in the corner of the edge zone from Trevor Simeon. So I think Rock Thomas is making a very powerful case to be that guy. Yes, I'd agree. I think I think he's definitely got the inside track right now. Oh, absolutely. And and heck, like I said, he could be the Vikings' Chris Thompson in this backfield. That'd be awesome. And that, I, you know, Chris Thompson's arguably the best receiving back in the league. So I think that would be, if they can find that or a guy like Corey Clement from Philadelphia last year, a guy to kind of fill that role, I think that'd be uh, perfect for this offense. Yeah, that was the other name I had in mind when watching Rock on Saturday because uh, John Filippo obviously worked for the Eagles last year as their quarterback's coach, and he probably saw some Corey Clement to his game when he watched his tape. Definitely, I, I agree with that. Yes, and let's go back to this offensive line for a moment, and it arguably just got weaker as left guard Nick Easton was just placed on season-ending injured reserve due to a herniated disc in his neck. As of this moment, Tom Compton is slated to replace him at left guard, but Danny Isadora, the second-year man from Miami, looked very promising in preseason play last week as well. Who would you start at left guard week one against the Niners? If it was up to me, I'd go, I'd go find somebody else like a Jari Evans on the 
free agent market. Um, I do like Danny Asadora, though. He, he has shown really well, and I think he fits exactly what they want to do, especially in the run game. He's a mauler. He's the type of guy that likes to get physical. So um, if it was up to me between Tom Compton and Danny Isadora, it'd be Isadora. I think I think he's light years ahead of Tom Compton and what he can do as a starter uh, and, the, and the potential there. I think Tom Compton's more ser- better served as a backup and a reserve role. Oh, very, very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if they do scour that free agent market after the preseason. But as of right now, at least what I heard Mike Zimmer say, he says the team isn't looking at such options. Do you think the team actually is? Yeah, I, I, that's, I think he's just blowing smoke. They're definitely looking. They're, I think they're looking as, at any option available, whether it's trade, free agent market, or you know, got potential guys that are going to get cut near near roster break cut down. So I think they're they're searching as um, far and wide to find find another body in there. Oh, absolutely. That's what I thought as well, especially since, uh, like, for example, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. What the Vikings did this offseason reminds me exactly of what the Broncos did during the Peyton Manning era. They shoved all their chips into the middle of the table. This is no different, and the Vikings have to do that when it comes to this left guard position because you cannot hold anything back. You have to give Kirk Cousins your big investment, that maximum protection that he will need in order to stay his effective self week in and week out. And from a fantasy football perspective, uh, the position battle I'm paying attention to the most when it comes to the Vikings is that third wide receiver spot. Who between Kendall Wright and Chicago's very own, Laquan Treadwell, do you see winning that role? And how do you see it affecting the volume and target distribution between Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen? Yeah, it's going to be Treadwell. Um, They haven't really wavered from keeping him from getting opportunities he's I think they're fine they wanted to give him one last opportunity to see if he could win that job and he's he's looked really good and uh, he's looked a lot better than he has the first two years in the league and I think a, a part of that was that he dislocated his ankle back in college during his sophomore season and I think he uh he ended up coming back a little too quickly from that injury because I'm sure he didn't he didn't want to miss any time so I don't blame him for that but it really hampered his rookie season especially because I know he had to get certain he had to go to like a, a foot specialist. The same one that I think I heard, at least from what I've heard, is the same one that Terrell Owens went to the year they went to this the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and Terrell Owens ended up coming back and playing a big role in that. They ended up losing that game, but uh, he had a really big game in that Super Bowl. Um so I've I've heard that Treadwell had to he had to wear special cleats and he had to do all that. So it really slowed down his rookie season. And then last year I, I just don't think he was quite figuring it out yet. Um but it sounds like in terms of you know the playbook, mentally, physically, he just looks a lot better. He looks slimmer. He's uh, he's quicker out of the breaks. His, his releases are a lot better. So I think I think he's got the inside track, no doubt. I don't think there's anybody that's really pushed for that third third spot beside behind him. So Kendall Wright hasn't really shown too much. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him around for the fact that he does have some that veteran um, presence and he can play the slot if either Diggs or Thielen were to go down. So I see the value there, but I don't see Kendall Wright taking snaps away from Laquan Treadwell right now. And in terms of how it would impact uh, fantasy football between Diggs and Thielen, the only thing I think it would really affect is in the red zone. I really see the team and what they've shown so far in camp is getting Treadwell involved in the red zone. And I think that's really where his bread and butter should be anyways. He should be the kind of guy catching lots of touchdowns and one-on-one matchups and because he's a big body, strong, physical guy kind of like Kyle Rudolph is the way they utilize Rudolph in that sense is they use that those big guys to go up and get the ball and out muscle guys that's where I really think the impact is for fantasy for Laquan Treadwell in terms of Diggs and Thielen 
Otherwise, I don't really see too much of them, uh, him taking away too much volume from those guys just because I think Kirk's built that chemistry with Diggs and Thielen where those are going to be his, his primary targets. And then obviously Kyle Rudolph's in that too. So I think um, I think if it's only, if it's going to impact anything, it's going to be touchdowns. Oh, that's a very, very, very good point. And I don't blame the Vikings for wanting to use Laquan Treadwell that way because he is essentially what I call their power forward receiver. He's not necessarily the best route runner, but he's that guy that could come down with the ball on contested catches in the uh, red zone. And Kirk Cousins developed a pretty nice rapport last year with a similar wide receiver in Josh Doxson. So uh, Kirk Cousins knows how to throw to these receivers as well. And uh, Treadwell will definitely be an asset in the red zone. But back to Diggs and Thielen for a moment. Uh, Yes, their touchdowns might be affected, especially from the red zone. But would you be surprised if both of them put up 1,000-yard seasons, health permitting, this year? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think that ideally be this <laughs> what you'd like to see anyways they're gonna they're gonna garner the the majority of the targets between the two um I think Thielen running from the slot he's he's gonna open himself up a lot the way he did last year and then Diggs is gonna be that big play guy who uh you know gets downfield he can he can run with anybody his route running is phenomenal so um yeah I could see definitely both of those guys being the top being you know uh leading the, being the top two receivers in the league in terms of one-two punch um, 1A, 1B scenario where they're both over a thousand yards, you know, five plus touchdowns for both of them. Yeah, and arguably the slickest route running combo in the league, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think there's a team with two receivers of that quality in the league right now. I mean, you got guys like Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu are really good. Calvin yeah. Ridley, beware of him. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, 100%. But I, I'll, I'll wait just until he's played a game. But, um, but then obviously you have, you know, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are really good. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. So you have a lot of, there's a lot of good duos in the league, but I just don't think um, any of them match what Diggs and Thielen can do with with their potential. And they're both young, so there's a lot of uh, growth to, to be had. And I think that youth was one of the factors that made Kirk Cousins decide to sign with the Vikings over the Broncos. And from what I heard from numerous people who know the Broncos were his second choice uh, behind the Vikings. So, but that was just one of many factors, but just to be taken uh, with a grain of salt there. And staying with fantasy for a moment, another thing that fantasy owners want to know regarding the Vikings has to do with the potential timeshare at running back. While Dalvin Cook is clearly the most talented back on the roster, there are several factors in play that make some in the fantasy community reluctant to draft Dalvin Cook. One, as mentioned by Vikings radio play-by-play voice Paul Allen on his radio show, we should all expect Latavius Murray to vulture goal line carries from Dalvin Cook. Second, uh, John Filippo tends to prefer more of a running back by committee approach as evidenced by his time in Cleveland and obviously most recently Philadelphia. And third, as you tweeted out this morning yourself, given the fact that Dalvin Cook is coming off a torn ACL, the Vikings wisely aren't going to want to overburden him early in the season, and you could see a 60-40 to split between him and Murray. As the season goes on, however, what percent of the carries do you see Dalvin Cook getting? Yeah, like I, like I had said, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I, do, I do think the Vikings are going to kind of take him along slowly. Um, we might not even see him in the preseason at all. I'm sure that their goal is to try to get him out there, but they don't want to risk anything. He has looked really good in, so far in camp. But, um, yeah, where I see it, um, I think they're the first point of vulturing touchdowns from Latavius Murray. You definitely saw that last year, and I know Latavius Murray was, in, it was kind of a, a flipped role where Latavius Murray was on the mend coming back from 
Um, I think it was ankle surgery as well last year. So it took him a while to gain to gain some of that steam back and get some of that that full health back. So I think once he was able to do that, he uh, he started to look really good toward the the middle and the latter part of the season, which I kind of I see a similar way with Dalvin Cook. Now I think Dalvin Cook's a better player than Latavius Murray, but I think the Vikings aren't going to want to put 25 plus carries on you know to start the season. They want to bring him along slowly, let him gain some of that momentum back, gain that strength, that confidence. So having a, it's really important for them to have a guy like Latavius Murray who can carry some of that, that burden and, and that load on the, of that run game. So um, I really do think early on I'd temper expectations of Dalvin Cook in fantasy. Um, but be patient because I really do be, feel like once, once things start get going in the, you know, start of the middle part of the season, Cook's going to get, he's going to show how healthy he really is, that explosion and his ability in the pass game. And I really do think it's going to be really hard for the team to not give him as many, as many touches as possible in each game. So um, I'm going to have a hard time. And I think Filippo is going to have a hard time not giving him the ball once things start ramping up for him. So, yeah, like I said, I, I think I would temper expectations early on. But you're going to get a, a, a big payoff later on. Oh, that's a very interesting point, And I would expect nothing less from Dalvin Cook this year, health uh, permitting. And Staying on this Vikings offense for just one more minute, um, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, uh, obviously, they gave him the first fully guaranteed contract in NFL history uh, for a reason. And and once again, uh, this is not uh, to put Case Keenum in a bad light. Case Keenum did a phenomenal job doing the role he was asked to play for the Vikings last year. And I honestly think that he is going to do a better job for the Broncos this year than he did for the Rams in 2016 and 2015. But with uh, Kirk Cousins, the I think one of the big reasons the Vikings decided to bring him in as opposed to keeping Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater with Bridgewater as a starter, Keenum as the backup, was that... Uh, where they were exposed in the NFC Championship game was they were too reliant on their defense last year. They had little margin for error if the defense had an off day. And Case Keenum, like I said, he's a game manager. He's not the quarterback that can uh, carry the weight when the defense has an off day. And Kirk Cousins is. So um, as far as Kirk Cousins is concerned, uh, would you be surprised if Kirk Cousins uh, finds himself in one or two of those situations this year when the defense has an off day and he's uh, uh, expected to put up a, a lot of numbers? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think that's a big part of why the team did move on from Case Keenum. I do believe that they felt it was more of that lightning in a bottle type situation. Not that they didn't think he could be a good quarterback, but like you said, I don't think that they believed that the fact that he could carry the team if they needed him to because he never had to last season until until things you know got got murky again obviously in the NFC Championship game where first first drive first drive of the game and you know you're up seven nothing and then after that it was just uh, flatlined so um, I definitely think they that's why they, that's one of the big reasons why they brought in a guy like Kirk Cousins they feel like when things break down in terms of the teams the defense might be giving up a lot more points than they expected um, he's the type of guy that can can win in shootouts and he can keep you in shootouts where a guy like Case Keenum might not be able to do that because of some of the limits in his arm strength, um, his ability to kind of follow reads and um, come off one read and um, scan the field. And I think that's one big thing that he struggled with significantly last year because he did have Diggs and Thielen. So it was if those two weren't open, then he was, it was either taking off or he was just getting rid of the ball because he, 
he doesn't like to hold the ball too long, which I can understand. Um, you have two of the best receivers in the league, get them the ball. But I, there were times where there were other guys open that he was missing. And I think that Kirk Cousins does a better job of scanning the field and making sure that he, he finds the best opportunity and the best target. Um, now, he does take a little bit more chances. Like, yeah, Case Keenum is that gunslinger. But the Vikings did a really good job of reining him in last year to where the, some of the stuff he did and some of those throws didn't really affect them too much. Where Kirk Cousins, though, I think it's going to be hard. There are times where he does like to try to fit the ball into tight windows, take a, take a little bit more chances in the red zone, where I'm sure that's kind of where Mike Zimmer's a little more hesitant because he is that type of coach. He wants his defense to, <laughs> to be the leading charge, but like you had mentioned, that's not always going to be the case. So you're going to have to take chances. You're going to have to take opportunities, try to fit the ball into tight windows if you're if you're Kirk Cousins. So um, I really do believe that that's that's the big reason they brought him here was for for those playoff situations and those those late game situations where they feel like they need to catch up because the offense hasn't been built for the last few seasons to come from behind. And now I feel like if they do go down ten points, maybe you know seven to ten points in the fourth quarter they might still have that opportunity to come back because they do have a quarterback that, that can make some of those big-time throws. Oh, absolutely, and especially going toe-to-toe with the likes of Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, you name it. Uh, they needed a quarterback who could match those other guys pound for pound in a game if yeah. needed. And another thing about Kirk Cousins that um, Pete Bursich, the Vikings uh, color analyst, um, their radio color analyst, um, brought up last week during the preseason game was that on deeper throws, um, Case Keenum uh, didn't put Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen in a in a favorable position, meaning uh, they had to significantly adjust and contort their bodies in order to make the catch. And with Kirk Cousins, he'll just drop it in the bucket, and they won't have to adjust as much. Yes, that's a, that's another big reason I think is it, it is that arm strength. Case Keenum can make the throws, but the issue is when he tries to push the ball downfield. You saw a lot of times, and you made a good point, is Stephon Diggs would be open by a couple of steps on a, a defensive back, and but he'd have to come back and to the ball on a deep pass because Case Keenum couldn't get it couldn't get it there in time with a strong enough arm. But Kirk Cousins can definitely do that, and I think they see that they see how open these guys can get, how big plays are being left on the field, or some maybe even some touchdowns are being left on the field because Case Keenum couldn't quite make some of those throws and he was getting bailed out a lot by his his receivers. So um, I definitely think they see Kirk having a little more accuracy, a stronger arm, and being able to push the ball downfield. Oh, absolutely. And even though his uh, passing attempts might not be as voluminous as they were in Washington, uh, do you think it's still realistic for Cousins to set a career high in touchdown passes this year? That's a tough one. Um, what, what was his high in touchdowns? What, like 28? Yeah, around that. Um, I, I mean, I definitely could see like that 25 range. Um, but I do think the run game is going to be really big for them. And I think they want the run game to be important. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was in that 20 to 25 range. Um, I don't know if he's, I don't think they'd ever let him be that 30 to 35 touchdown to season kind of guy, because there's really no need to because of the defense that they do have. That would mean they're taking more chances in the pass game, which like I alluded to before, Zim doesn't really want to do too much of that. Oh, most certainly not. And especially, like you said, you want to emphasize the run early and often to keep the defense uh, defense fresh and rested and also to tire out that pass rush given the offensive line's uh, suspect blocking on passing plays. And now let's talk about this Vikings defense. And 
when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles last year, um, arguably the biggest reason aside from uh, Carson Wentz and that offense, why they won the Super Bowl was their insanely talented and insanely deep defensive line. They trotted out waves and waves of defensive line combinations, and they had multiple guys, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, you name it, that could get after the quarterback in, in a pinch, and also Chris Long. And they also uh, kept, were able to keep them fresh because of that depth. Had the Vikings, despite having one of the best uh, front fours in the NFL last year, they didn't have that depth, and it cost them dearly in the playoffs, as I'm sure you remember, because uh, they clearly got tired out in, in, against the Saints and against the Eagles. And they needed to uh, add to that depth on defensive line, and they obviously upgraded one of the starting spots uh, uh from Tom Johnson at the other defense, defensive tackle next to Lidval Joseph. Now you bring in Sheldon Richardson, who had some Pro Bowl years earlier in his career with the New York Jets. And the Vikings, uh, with their coaching staff, I think they could get it back to that level of play. But the Vikings are going to need two or three other guys to step up in order to keep those guys fresh so they don't get tired uh, when the game starts to matter most. So how deep of a defensive line rotation do you see the Vikings trotting out this season? Yeah, I think they, like you had mentioned, that that was an emphasis for them, especially last season where um, it was the Cleveland game where the, the Vikings went to London. It was I think it was the last play of the game, and for some reason he was still out there, but Everson Griffin, it's where he uh, tore his plantar fasciitis um, muscle in his foot. And so he, had, he ended up playing the rest of the season with that. So you could tell down the stretch how ineffective he was because of that foot. And that really hurt them because they couldn't, they didn't have anybody behind him to really rotate anybody else in. So that really, like you said, that really hurt that rotation and really hurt keeping guys fresh. So they have, they have made it an important fact this, this off season to make sure that they added depth. Um, Sheldon and Sheldon Richardson will we'll start there too. Um, on the inside, the three technique next to Linval Joseph, the Vikings had a really good rotation in last year with Tom Johnson and Shamar Stefan. Um, both those guys played really well. They're both really in, um, Shamar Stefan was interchangeable from nose tackle, backup nose tackle to backup three tech. But um, and Tom Johnson, he he played really well, but he played a lot of snaps last season. Where when he's really more of a primary pass rusher. So what the Vikings did in, by getting Sheldon Richardson instead of resigning both of those guys is they get both of those guys in one package in a Sheldon Richardson. He can he's really good against the run. He can get after the quarterback. He's explosive. He's strong. He's the type of guy that can play a lot of snaps and be be an all-pro type of player, especially um, playing next to the arguably the best nose tackle in the game in, in Linval Joseph. So the Vikings really wanted to get that interior pressure a little bit more consistent. They wanted to be more stout against the run. So they brought in that they brought in that high-priced, high-profile um, free agent in Sheldon Richardson, which is very exciting. He's looked really good as a as advertised. Um, but what the Vikings have also done to help bolster behind them is they have second year guy, Julio Johnson, who's actually looked, he's been really promising so far. Um, and while uh, the Vikings didn't play Linval Joseph last week in the first preseason game against Denver, Julio Johnson stepped in and plays no, played nose tackle. And um, obviously the Broncos didn't have all their starters out there, but Julio Johnson played pretty well in the time he, he was on the field. Um, but they're playing with him. Is he's going to have he's going to have the opportunity to rotate at both nose tackle and three tech, which I think is very important. They have that guy that can come in and play both. He's good against the run. He's athletic. He's fast. Um, he's still working on a little bit more of a pat, those pass rush moves, but um, I think it's getting there. And I think in a rotation, 
and not having to play a full-time role, it could be um, really valuable for him. Um, and he could be the guy where they look to replace Sheldon Richardson next year because he's only on a one-year deal. Um, and then they drafted a guy like Jalen Holmes in the fourth round in the draft this season who they converted from defense, defensive end from Ohio State. Um, they like what he's done so far. He's been really good about getting getting to the, the quarterback, his pass rush skills. Um, he is still learning the techniques of playing on the inside of the line. Um, but he's another guy that might be able to find his way onto the field a little bit, getting a little bit into that rotation if they need him to. Um, and then jumping out to the edges, uh, they also did sign uh, David Perry, who was with the recently last with the Colts. He's a big nose tackle too. So depending on how many interior defensive linemen the team wanted to keep, they could keep him to be that stout interior guy in case a guy like Linval Joseph had to miss some time. Um, and then jumping out to the edges, um, you know, obviously you have Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, who who are arguably, you know, the best pass rushing tandem in the league in terms of edge rushers. So um, they're really good. Obviously, um, Everson Griffin's an all pro type player. Daniil Hunter's coming into his own, just got paid, signed that long, that big extension. Um, he's got the ceiling to be to be a defensive player type defensive player of the year type player, you know, or that, you know, Pro Bowl caliber kind of guy he's got all the traits to do everything he's still raw it's crazy to think that he still has room to grow because you look at that guy and he's a freak but um the guys behind him they have veteran brian robison who's it sounds like it's going to be his last season but he's really valuable for the locker room and helping those young guys um, but he can help in that rotation either as a stand-up three tech in um in passing downs or you know giving a guy like daniel hunter or everson griffin a an opportunity to, to rest. And then they have a couple of young guys, one guy, Tashawn Bauer, who was an undrafted uh, free agent out of LSU last season. He made the team out of, out of camp, and he's looked really good this, this sec- his second season so far in camp. Um, he's gained weight. He's got um, a little bit more in terms of uh, pass rush abilities and some of the moves that he's been able to develop. So he's looked really good. And then they have uh, Stephen Weatherly, who's been around for a few years now that um, they still like as a guy that could potentially come in and rotate. So depending on how many guys they want to rotate in there, there could be up to three or four guys that get an opportunity to play some significant snaps this year. So I'm really excited to see what they do. Uh, I think they only they only got better on the defensive line, which is really crazy to think for how good they were. And to kind of put um, icing on the cake, they're going to allow Anthony Barr to come down and rush the pass a little bit more off the edge and be a more of that defensive end presence on passing downs, which I think they should have been doing from the start, but it sounds like they're going to allow him to do that a little bit more now, which I think it only, it only allows you to be more creative in my opinion with how you stack that defensive line and how you, you can add another defensive back to the field by shifting Anthony Barr down to the defensive line. There's so many different things you can do and be creative with it. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, I'm really excited about it too, man. And speaking of Anthony Barr, Anthony Barr is a key long-term decision that the Vikings are going to have to make sooner rather than later. This is the final year of his uh, five-year rookie deal, and he um, doesn't he uh, correct me if I'm wrong? Does he doesn't he wear the headset on defense where Zimmer calls in the plays to him and he uh, calls the plays against the defense lined up? Yep, yeah, he's been doing that since his rookie year, so that is an important part of it too. I want, but I am curious to see if they were if they'd be willing to take that off of him and give it to Eric Kendricks just because of how long Kendricks has been in the system now. And if Anthony Barr is going to go down and, and rush the passer from the defensive line, 
Um, I would be curious if they are looking to move that or not. So we'll see. But yeah, he does right now currently wear the the headset. Oh, that's a very good point. And uh, yes, Eric Hendricks is a very, very important part too, but obviously so is Anthony Barr. And they're going to have to make a decision on his long-term future with, with the team. And should that be extending him at some point during the season or putting the franchise tag on him next spring? That that's a tough one for me. I'm I'm a big Anthony Barr fan. I think he's he's phenomenal. I think you know you a guy six five two fifty who can move the way he can. Um, it's really rare, especially for an off ball linebacker the way he is. One thing I would love though is what they're finally doing is allowing him to rush the passer. Um, for me, if he was just to stay as a four three outside linebacker who plays off the ball all the time, in my opinion, that's kind of a replaceable position just because. You can find guys who can who can defend the pass and who can stop the run, but when you you mix in that versatility that he can by rushing the passer, um, that's where his value, in my opinion, really comes in comes to shine. Um, so I really want to see that happen, um, but I I would like to see him extended just because I do think he is a valuable asset at that defense. He most certainly is, and if they do want to resign him, I definitely trust uh, Rob Brzezinski and his uh, cap wizardry uh, to find a way to make that happen. And not only have the Vikings arguably gotten even more dangerous and deeper up front, they've gotten even scarier in the secondary as well. And if there was anything that the 2015 Broncos team that won the Super Bowl showed us, it's that this is a three-cornerback league, not a two-cornerback league. And obviously, with that no-fly zone with Bradley Roby, Akeem Tlaib, and Chris Harris, they were an instrumental part in helping carrying Peyton Manning and his dead arm back to the mountaintop before he retired. And the Vikings realized that they had to do the same thing in order to take that next step to a Lombardi Trophy this year. Um, And obviously, if you look at the Vikings two scouting corners last year you obviously got arguably the best corner in the league right now in Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes their first round pick in 2015 who improved by leaps and bounds last year but they needed a third guy and they had to be jumping for joy that Mike Hughes out of Central Florida a talented but enigmatic prospect was there waiting for them with the 30th overall pick and so far in training camp Mike Hughes has not only looked the part he has exceeded expectations by making a case to play early and often for this Minnesota Vikings team. You tweeted out yourself a couple days ago that you wouldn't be surprised if Mike Hughes ends up being the second best corner on this team by the end of this season. How special is Mike Hughes and what does he bring to that cornerback position that Trey Waynes does not? Yeah, so um, I've been high on Mike Hughes since the draft season started. I had him as my number one rated corner coming out. Um, I just thought, Everything he brought to the table in terms of ball tracking, hips, explosion, ability to 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 go get the ball and attack the ball and be a turnover machine, um, I, and his and and a returner in the same sense, even when you know off of interceptions as well. He's just he's explosive. He's a total package. He may not be that six foot six one type of type of corner the way a guy like Xavier Rhodes is, but his ability to mirror receivers with his hip ability and his quickness and uh, ability in and out of breaks. It's some of the best I've seen in a long time coming out of college. Um, there's a lot of like Chris Harris Jr. to his game. Um, I, I compared him to a Darrell Revis in terms of the way his hips his hips are and his, his mirroring ability. Um, I know that's really high praise, but I just feel like that's there's some of that ceiling there where he really could, once he puts it all together, he could be that lockdown corner that um, the Vikings would. <laughs> you'd love to have two lock, There's it's It's fantastic having one lockdown corner, but imagine having two. Um, in Mike Hughes, but 
where I really feel that he he excels more than a guy like Trey Waynes is their hips. Trey Waynes is is straight line fast. He's probably arguably the, one of the fastest guys on the team, if not the fastest guy on the team in a straight line. But one thing he really does lack is that hip mobility and flexibility where running and turning with guys, he doesn't have that ability the way Mike Hughes does to play in the slot and play on the outside. Trey Waynes has to stay on an island. He has to stay on the outside because he can't he can't um, move and uh, hip rotate the way um, Mike Hughes can. There's a reason that, um, in my opinion, I think if Trey Waynes were to leave the Minnesota Vikings, his ideal situation would be kind of what Richard Sherman did in Seattle was to play in that that uh, that three that cover three scheme where he gets to play off ball a little bit, but he also doesn't have to uh, worry about getting beat deep because he he has to cover a zone and not a man. Um, I do like Trey Waynes and press coverage. He does a pretty good job, but he allows guys to get open because he doesn't have the the hip and quick flexibility and um, the the quickness that like a, like Mike Hughes and Xavier Rhodes even have, um, and Mackenzie Alexander that to that sense too. All those guys have that that Trey Waynes doesn't have. Now he's not going to get beat deep very often, but he's going to give up a lot in front of him because because of that that lack of um hip mobility so that's where i really believe that mike hughes has that in a he's already has that coming into the league trey waynes is in his fourth season right now and he still doesn't have that and he's not going to because that's just not a strength of his um so i i just think mike hughes plus mike hughes is a ball hawk he's the guy that attacks the ball he wants to go get the ball he wants it in his hands so that's a great trait to have in a cornerback you want a guy that that wants to attack the ball, that wants to take the ball away from the the offense. So that's another part where I think Trey Waynes doesn't really have that like dog in him. He 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 doesn't want to give up the, the pass play, Trey Waynes, but he doesn't have at least the way I've seen it. He doesn't have that like I'm going to shut the guy in front of me down no matter what. I don't care who the guy is mentality. Mike Hughes and Xavier Rhodes, even Mackenzie Alexander, that that fact they have that mentality where. They they don't care who's lined up in front of them. They're gonna they want to beat the guy in front of them. And they're going to beat the guy in front of them because they have that mentality. I just don't see that from Trey Waynes. Oh yeah, and another thing that Mike Hughes does very well is uh, returning kicks, and I believe the Vikings have him as the main kick returner on the depth chart as well. And part of that alpha dog mentality that you suggested that uh, Mike Hughes has, I think. Uh, when he's uh, returning kicks, he always has the mentality like, I'm going to break this and I'm going to score. And when he's on defense, don't you think uh, he's not only saying to himself, not only am I going to take this ball away, but I'm going to take it to the house as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a that's a huge part of it is he doesn't want to just take the ball away. He wants to take the ball away and score for the team. So um, there's a lot of that. So I, I love his game. The, everything he does, um, everything in camp so far, like – I was at camp um, during their the Vikings night scrimmage and on the sidelines for uh, a couple of the practices, and he's as advertised the the hips, the quickness, the recovery. He's doing it against guys like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs too. So it's not like he's just doing it against some of the backups on the team. He's performing really well against some of the ones, and especially in one on ones during camp. Him and Adam Thielen have battled a lot, and they both won their fair share of opportunities. Oh, that speaks volume. And he is Miles Gorham, ladies and gentlemen, of Climbing the Pocket Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at MilesGorham85, and that is M-Y-L-E-S, just to let you know. Miles, it has been such a pleasure having you on the program tonight. But before we let you go, I want to go by the Vikings regular season schedule game by game and 
say if it's a win or a loss. Starting with week one at home against the Niners. Although the Niners have a lot of long-term promise, I think they're a year away, and I think this is a win. Yeah, I think it's a win as well. Yeah, so week two gets kind of tough going to Lambeau Field to take the Packers. And while the Packers might not have as talented of a roster as the Vikings, you still got the best quarterback at football in Aaron Rodgers. So this game is going to be close, but I think the Vikings pull off a squeaker here. Yeah, I I couldn't bet against the Vikings against the Packers, even if the Vikings weren't good this season. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Week three against the Buffalo Bills. Yes, uh, Sean McDermott is a good coach, but I think the Bills, uh, their defense is pretty good, but I think they're going to finish with the worst record in football this year, or they're one of the top candidates to at the very least. This is a win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Week four, quick turnaround Thursday night against the Rams at the Coliseum. I wanted to say this was going to be one of the games they would lose, and there's a good chance it is, especially if the Rams could get Aaron Donald back in the fold, and I personally expect them to. But the Rams, they don't have a home field advantage. Uh, There's going to be a lot of Vikings fans there, and that kind of puts the game on a neutral field, and I think that plays a big factor in allowing the Vikings to win a close one. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Week five, this is a pretty tough one. Looking for revenge against the Eagles, and it depends on how healthy Carson Wentz is by this time. And if he is healthy by this time, I would say this is one of the games they will lose, albeit in a much closer fashion compared to the NFC Championship. But if Carson Wentz is still not healthy, this is a loss. I'm I'm, I'm torn on this one. Yeah, I I mean, well, we saw Nick Foles be the guy to to beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, so. I do think this on the road, I could see this as a loss, so I'll, I'll, I'll chalk it up as a loss right now. Yeah, we will uh, chalk up week five as a loss. Uh, I think they lose one of those two games, week four and week five. I, like, I think they split, but right now I'll say the Eagles will be the loss. Week sits at home against the Cardinals and Josh Rosen, although Josh Rosen I think is going to be a very, very good pro, I think he's going to undergo a lot of growing pains this year and the Cardinals could be one of the bottom five teams in the league at season's end, so this is clearly a win. Yep, I agree. Week seven at the Jets against another rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold. While I think Sam Darnold uh, is going to show a lot of promise this year, uh, the Jets are still a couple years away. This, This should be a win. Yep, agreed. Yeah, so we have them at 6-1 and one to start the year, heading into Week 8 at home against the New Orleans Saints. And if there is any home game that they're more likely to lose than others, I think it's this one. I might still call it a win, but I'm not quite sure about this one with the Saints, especially if their defense takes another step forward. Yeah, this is a tough one because this is going to be the right in the heart of the season too. So um, I, I'll, I'm going to say it's a win, but I think it's a, r- a really close one. Yes, that'll be the game of the week, arguably, in Week 8. And Week 9 at home against the Lions. Yes, divisional battle, but the Lions still have a lot of holes, especially at defense. This is a win. Yeah, with a new coach and everything, too, I'd agree it's a win. Yes, and I'd argue a similar situation awaits them two weeks later at my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears. Bears obviously appear to have a lot of young promise on their team and a fantastic, talented new head coach in Matt Nagy, but... Uh, They're not ready to go toe-to-toe with the Vikings yet. This is a win. I agree. Yeah, so I believe uh, we only have one loss so far. And Week 12 at home against the Packers. I think they beat the Packers at home. Yeah, (laughs) I'll say the same. All right. And Week 13, they go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots in a potential Super Bowl preview. Uh, I think this is the game they'll be most likely to lose out of any game on the schedule, period. 
I agree. Even though uh, I'll be curious to see where the Patriots at just based off of the lack of depth. But I agree. I'll take it as a loss, too. Oh, absolutely. And in Week 14, they play a Seahawks team that is undergoing a roster overhaul. It's on Monday night on the road at Seattle. It's very loud. Pete Carroll, I think, is going to have his team exceed some expectations this year. But I still don't see the Vikings losing this game. Do you? No, I agree. I, I don't think the Vikings lose this one either. Yeah, and Week 15 against, I mentioned they play the Bills in Week 3. The Bills are a candidate to finish with the worst record in the league, and I think the Dolphins are such a candidate as well. This is an easy win. Agreed. Yeah, Week 16 at the Lions. Uh, while this should be a win, if the Lions are competing for a wildcard playoff spot in Week 16, you can't discount it. Yeah, I mean, if the Vikings are at the record that we have in, what, two losses right now? Yeah. Um, what is that? Twelve and two. I could I could see this being one of those games where not that the team would coast because they're probably trying to position themselves for the number one seed at this point. Um, I could see this being a loss if the if the Lions are still in it. And last but not least, you conclude the season, the regular season at home against the Chicago Bears. And if it counts for anything, if you still have to wrap up home field advantage, it's a win. But if not, I would say maybe it's a loss if you rest everybody. Yeah, I agree. Same. Yeah, so I definitely see uh, 13-3 or 14-2, but I think 12-4 and four might be the floor for this team, and that is pretty scary. It is really scary. I mean, obviously, it's really hard to, to say any team is going to win 12 games. Just, you know, most of the time you bet the under. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think um, it is really hard to see this team not win at least 11 games. Yes, and before we let you go, Miles, just a curious question. As everybody knows, Super Bowl windows close very, very fast. And as I said in the beginning, this is the most talented team the Vikings have assembled since that 1998 team that should have gone to the Super Bowl, dare I say. And maybe even more talented, especially on defense. So it's now or never for the Vikings. How long do you think this window is with this group of players? Well, right now it's it's that three-year window with Kirk Cousins. They have a lot of the guys like Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. Um, Everson Griffin's coming up in age a little bit, uh, Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Stephon Diggs, all those guys in the next three years, you know, some of them might be toward the, the back end of their careers. So I definitely think it's that three year window for sure. Um, but if they keep drafting the way they do, maybe they keep that window open even longer. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say it's that three year window they have with Kirk Cousins right now. And let's hope that the Vikings find a way to bring their first Lombardi trophy home to the Twin Cities. Miles, thank you very much for joining the program. You are an amazing conversation to have, and we hope to have you on this program again very, very soon. Yes, I appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you, Miles. Thank you for your time. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back with more next week as the 2018 NFL season rapidly inches closer. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Miles. For Miles Gorham, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome, and for all you Vikings fans out there, SKULL!